This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Our guest today, Fred Joyle, is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and business advisor. Along with a lucrative career in advertising and marketing, he co-founded the most successful dentist referral service in the country, 1-800-DENTIST. Fred has also written two books on marketing, dabbled in stand-up and improv comedy with the Groundlings, acted in films and TV commercials. He's visited over 44 countries and once beat Sir Richard Branson at chess. But what we want to learn more about today is his book, Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, and about how being bold changed his life and how it can change yours. Welcome, Fred. Thank you very much, Kathy Mary. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Glad to have you. Please tell us about your background and about how learning to be bold changed the trajectory of your life. Yeah, I grew up in a small town uh, in Rhode Island, uh, which is the smallest state, so (laughs) double small. Uh, And I I was just a very shy, introverted person growing up. Uh, And it it was very frustrating to me, but I didn't know what to do about it. Um, and, uh, it, what happened is I kept stacking up missed opportunities and missed relationships and missed adventures. And, and I kept watching bold people and I think, why are they like this? Like, why are they not processing rejection? Like I am, why are they not fearing rejection and failure? Like I do. Uh, and so I just started to push myself very gradually into my discomfort zone despite not feeling confident or not feeling uh, comfortable at all. And good things started to happen. And I thought, oh, okay, Uh, that's interesting. I was expecting it to go badly and it went pretty well or it went really well or something unexpected happened. Uh, And then I was just, I got in situations where I I finally, when I started 1-800-DENTIST, I had built a certain amount of confidence being in the advertising world because that was the career I loved. When I started working in advertising, I had no idea what I wanted to do initially and in life. But by the time I was 30 and I had discovered advertising, I thought, wow, I have, I have found my tribe. Uh, and so ended up starting 1-800-DENTIST. And I just had to be bold. I had to go door to door to get dentists to join. I, we had to make constant high-risk decisions to build a, a business. And, uh, and then I just kept working on it and working on it and getting the positive feedback loop from being bolder and bolder and bolder to the point where when I tell people that I was that person, they don't believe me. 
because mm-hmm. I can walk on stage and, and comfortably talk to 5,000 people. I can meet anybody I want to meet. I'll walk right up to them and talk to them. That was absolutely not me. And so what I realized, and I try to help people see, is that you are not shy. You just behave in a shy way in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Labeling yourself as an introvert is building a cage around your life. Mm. You know, exactly. so why not? Oh, unlock it. It unlocks from the inside yeah. is, was the, is oh. the point. Love that. Yeah. Well, why did you decide your, to write your book, Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days? It started with a, a, a workshop that a friend of mine did. He, he does it in LA and he does it for high school kids. And it's basically teaching them life skills. Oh. Uh, and, and he brings in his friends and who are many of them who are very successful and to, to speak to these kids and tell them what we they've learned in life and how they can, uh, you know, leverage themselves much earlier. <laughs> and so I did, uh, I put together a talk on why boldness is a superpower. Oh. Uh, and, and I talked about how impactful it could be. And then, so they all said, yeah, that's great. How, uh-huh. <laughs> how do we do this? Cause I had talked about some ways that, that I had done it and I realized I had to write the book. I had to simplify and, and systematize what I had done so that somebody could learn it much faster from wherever they were. And so I created a thing called the pride method, which is a five-step approach to building your boldness muscle. And I, I want people to think about it like just like exercise, that, that you want to build your boldness muscle when it doesn't matter so that in those times when it does matter, you act instead of hesitate. It's all based on hesitation. That's why we're missing opportunities. Uh, it's not. We've all been yeah, there. And it's, it, yeah, because the window closes while we overthink it. The bold right. person doesn't overthink it. The bold Uh-oh. person goes to see what jumps in and sees what happened. This could turn out well. That is the way they look at it. Uh-huh. And that's all they need to know. <laughs> and, I um, to ask and if it turns out badly, this, the, the great secret that I, it took me so long to learn is that trying and failing feels way better than not trying. Because mm-hmm. yeah. not trying yeah. gnaws at you forever. Yeah. How would you Trying and failing is like, uh, I could do that better next time. Yeah. <laughs> and how True. would you define boldness? And I think uh, you have said you can learn it, but what holds yeah. people back from becoming bold? Just that hesitation factor? How do you get rid it's, of all it's, that? It's, it's hesitation and, and mindset because they think that they need to be confident in order to take bold action. And oh. that's the, the reality that I learned also is that the opposite is, is what's true, is bold action is what builds your confidence. Oh. Bold people do stuff all the time that they are not comf- comfortable with, that they are not confident they're going to succeed at. They are, they are not perfectionists. They are not playing it safe. They're, they're walking out on the ice hoping it doesn't crack uh, and pretty sure they're going to get to the other side, especially if they speed up, if they start to hear a cracking sound. Uh, and, it's, and because of it, their life is abundant. They don't have a stack of regrets. So it's, it's understanding that, that you are, everybody has uh, situational boldness is what I call it, is there are areas where they're 
comfortable being bold. Mm-hmm. But there's other areas where they're not, and it varies for everybody. And some people, their comfort zone is really tiny and others pretty far. But what I found is m- most people are have situational hesitation when it matters the most, when it's crucial, when it's important, when they really want to meet that person or they really need to speak up in that business meeting or they have to give a eulogy for somebody and they're like, oh, I don't like public speaking. I, 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 it's a very powerful example in my mind because I've been to a bunch of funerals at this point in my life and I see people, you know, when they invite people to speak, I see people who I know love this person can't get up and say a word and I'm going to get up and I'm going to pour my heart out because this is it. This is the one chance I get to let the world know how I felt about this person. And I, it grieves me when I see them say, oh, I, I'm not comfortable in front of people. It's like, this is not a performance. Right. This, is, this is a moment that you will regret the rest of your life yeah. if you don't seize it. Yeah, that's I true. agree. That's a beautiful analogy. To it really is. And, and yeah. I was really just about to ask you what people miss out on if they're shy or afraid of stepping out and um yeah that's certainly the list goes on uh because it it goes on in their career they're afraid to ask for a raise they're afraid to ask for a promotion they're afraid to quit the job and go do something they love and 20 years goes by and guess what The, the marketplace is a lot less interested in you and you got a lot less energy and you got a, a home to pay for and kids to put through college and all that. And you got the handcuffs on. Yeah. And and the clock is running. And and that's <laughs> we all pretend that the clock isn't running. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 if it, and, and if we believe it's running, we believe it's gonna keep running for another 40 or 50 years, no matter what age we are. Absolutely. Like at 60, we go, I'm gonna live to at least a hundred. My aunt lived to a hundred, so I probably will too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, do you have any examples in your own life of, of how hesitation and being shy held you back? Uh, you know, it's there was uh, the first job opportunity I really got was uh, I was working. I would do random jobs uh, all over the, the country, really, just to make some money and then travel some more. And I was working in a machine shop, just like a, a floor hand, just doing stuff. But the owner said, you know, you're, I think you have potential. I think you could sell for me. Uh, and so he took me up to his office and, uh, you know, the main, the, the main office gave me a desk and a phone and he handed me a list of businesses. And he said, here, call these people and see if they would like to do business with us. I couldn't make a single phone call. I couldn't make one cold call. Uh-huh. So after uh, an hour or two of him looking at me going like, what are you doing? Uh, I just back to the machine shop. Uh-huh. And, 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 and it, it gripped me so much. It's like, wow, I was, I, I, my hesitation was totally in control of me. And it, it just made me so angry. I said, I have to get through this. And of course the irony of irony is I, I have a, my main business was based on a phone number. Uh, so, uh, so it's all about making phone calls and that's all we did as a business. And that's all what Gary, my partner and I did was we made 
cold calls all the time because we had to. Uh, and I realized you don't die. Uh, but I also, we hired a couple of the salespeople and they just, they would, they would have somebody hang up on them, curse them out. They just dial again. Yeah. Cause, and I said, wow, that's so interesting. They have figured out that that rejection has nothing to do with them. Uh-huh. It's just a timing issue or a lack of interest. And they just say, oh, I'm closer to a sale because I eliminated, you know, it's, I'm going to make a hundred calls and I'm going to get a sale. So I'm closer instead of saying, oh, I, I need a break. Oh, that's so, I can't believe that guy hung up on me. Of course, oh. I would hang up on you too, probably, <laughs> you know, and that's the word fit. We're hanging up on people all the time. It's like, why would, oh my gosh. you know, so, uh, it, the, and, but you know, and there was, there was a time where this, this woman that I really felt like I, we could have had a great future together, but we had a friendship and then, uh, and I never spoke up. I never advanced it. And there was a, like a time, there was a moment where we were alone together and, and I could have advanced it. Uh, and I didn't. And then years later, she got married and, uh, th- her, one of her bridesmaids that was driving her to the airport. And she said, you know, Susan actually told me like six months before the wedding that she was unsure about, you know, marrying Bill. Um, and, and, and her friend said, why? And she says, I think I'm, I'm still in love with Fred. <gasps> it's like, so neither of us spoke up. <sighs> And, oh, and of course, makes me cry. It, it was the, the, the and, and of course she's very happily married and everything. And, and, and I, I was eventually very happily married as well, but it, that was important for me because it burned so much. It was like, wow, I, all I had to, I, the, the moment was there and I failed to act. And I, and I had, that was like the moment where I said, I can't be this person anymore. Yeah. I can't, I can't let this happen yeah. anymore. Exactly right. And can you d- describe to us what you call the pride method? Yes. Tell us about uh, that. So uh, it's a, the, my book, uh, Super Bold, has uh, a series of exercises that are all based actually on improv comedy, how people learn to do improv comedy. It's the same principles of yes. starting non-verbally and working your way up to some very daring things. Um, and so the, the five steps, pride is an acronym, and the five steps are preparation, relaxing, insight, dosage, and everyday action. And so I can summarize quickly each one, but it's Uh for preparation, for example, if you're going to meet somebody, if you see like, oh, there's, there's Tom Hanks. I want to talk to him. I I think he's fantastic. Prepare what you're going to say. Don't just go up and go, hey, can we do a selfie? Uh, It's like, because, you know, (laughs) you're just being intrusive. Um, and so say, you know what, when I saw Philadelphia, I just, it, it really changed how I saw gay people in and their lives. And I just wanted to thank you for making that movie. Right. What do you think he's going to say to that? He's going to say, I'm so happy you said that. Cause that's why I made that movie. Mm-hmm. And you, now you've had a real exchange with somebody you admire incredibly. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So prepare what you're going to say. Huh. And so that's the first step. 
The second step is relaxing. Realize that you can relax yourself, but it's not by somebody saying, why don't you just relax? It's that doesn't, that, that, that has the opposite effect, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I look nervous. I didn't realize I also look nervous. <laughs> that makes me even more nervous. Now I'm sweating even more. Mm-hmm. But if you learn to use your breath, like when I go on stage, big stage, I'm backstage. I take three deep breaths and I feel myself stabilizing mm-hmm. and I'm in control of my state at that point. Now I want, I don't want to be sluggish. I want to be energized. I want to flip that anxiety and turn it into energy. I want to give that audience my full energy. And as soon as you do that, your memory works, your tongue works, all of those, just like when you're anxious, those, those things all shut down. Your, 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 your lizard brain is taking over. So breathing is incredibly powerful. And, and then checking your physiology, you know, if are you tensed up? And just release it. Just shake it off. And you suddenly yeah. realize, wow, I, I can control my state. We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you, you, that's the thing is once you realize you, you can control it, then it, that relaxes you. It's like, a, it's a double effect. Mm. Um, uh-huh. And you say, okay, now I can, now I can be energized. I can even be a little anxious, but it's not going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so the and so the uh, the I is insights, key insights, and and one of them we talked a little bit about it is, but it's basically this: nobody's thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. True. Mm-hmm. Who are they thinking about? Themselves, of course. Themselves. <laughs> they go right back to themselves. They'll think about you for a few right. seconds, and they have judgments about you. They uh-huh. they are, they are saying you know and they're like. Fred, he's 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 a loud mouth. He's like he, he should never wear those glasses. They're like his haircut looks stupid. I mean, they they at a glance they have sixteen judgments about me, right? He should, that uh-huh. he should never wear those shoes. Whatever it is, they got all of these things, and we do the same thing. Uh-huh. We we walk around going, that woman should never wear that dress. That guy's gonna have a heart attack if he eats any more Chick Fil A, <laughs> right? It's like we 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 do it, and we're totally wrong. Like I do this, I have judgments about people and I deliberately meet them and dispel my belief about them. Cause it's totally it's 95% of the time I've come up with an idiotic judgment based on all my biases and life experience and everything. When you realize that they're doing what you're doing and we're both wrong, then you can bold people have a handful of people whose opinions matter to them. And the rest, they say, those people's opinions are none of my business because mm. that's what stops. That's where the hesitation comes from. Oh, they're all going to laugh at me. Oh, it's going to be embarrassing. And I, when they say they're all going to laugh at me, I say, all of them? And do you know them? And why do you care? And so, it's so that, true when you can- most, the most yeah, powerful I'm sorry. people, the most powerful people that I've heard speak, they always say that. They say, other people's opinions are none of your business. You don't even need to know them. You don't That's care right. about them. Who cares? I'm yeah. And, and it's hard to shut it out. Speaking for, oh, no, no. It's, it's because fitting in is incredibly primal as a need. Okay. Because Remember, we're not that far from the African plane in a lot of these drivers that still exist in our minds. And if you stood out and got kicked out of the tribe, you're dead. Mm. 
All right. Something's going to eat you or another tribe's going to kill you or enslave you. Sure. Uh, and so you fit in. We have an intense drive to fit in. And you have to consciously say, what am I trying to, who, am, why am I letting somebody else decide the path of my life, what I'm capable of, what I get to enjoy, who I get to be. Why am I letting, because if you're not deciding it, somebody else is deciding it uh, and they're happy to do it. That is powerful. It could be the religion, could be, you know, like anybody, they've, they've got a plan for you and it works for them. That is very uh -huh. powerful. And what about- Remind us, what is, what is the D? Yeah. The D is dosage. Uh, and again, going back to the improv principle, you control the intensity of this venture into your discomfort zone so you don't overwhelm yourself. I mean, if you're trying to be good at public speaking, don't start by speaking to a thousand people on a topic you're unfamiliar with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, start at Toastmasters uh, where everybody's completely supportive and they will make adjustments, but in the kindest possible way. And then you just keep getting on a bigger and bigger stage because everybody has a tipping point. They're like, oh, I'm very comfortable with five people. But if it's 20, I melt down. It's like, you know, that makes no sense. Right. And we know it makes no sense. But there's this reaction because we haven't controlled the dosage of the experience, mm -hmm. just like building a muscle. You have to strain the muscle, but you can't overwhelm it. Because mm. if you don't strain it, you don't get strong. If you overwhelm it, you injure yourself and you're you're back to not exercising again. So same principle. Yeah. Yeah. So you you do these constant ventures into your discomfort zone. And that's where the E is everyday action. Mm -hmm. Do something bold every day. Because then what the amazing thing happens, whatever you're trying to do. Everyday action is an amazing key to it because your brain says, I guess this is who we are. I guess this is what we do. Um, mm -hmm. And and it you don't have to decide whether you're going to do it or not. It's I, I tell people this is like, if how many times a year would you exercise if you only did it when you felt like doing it? <laughs> it's like somewhere between one and two times a year. Uh, yeah. So you have to say, uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, I, I need to move every day or I'm going to get bigger and feel more lethargic and actually just, and not live a, a happy life. Cause I got no endorphins going on. Yeah. Great. So it's that same thing of like, if it, they said, if, if, if you learn, if you played piano, uh, 18 minutes a day in a year, you would be better than 99% of the people who play piano just by doing 18 minutes a day. And who doesn't waste 18 minutes? That's right. Um, oh, if if you have Instagram, Instagram on your phone, yeah, right, unless you do it wrong you waste every time. More than 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guarantee you social media is taking more than 18 minutes. Oh, in your oh day. Tell, tell me about it. Yeah. So can you give us some more tips on what people can do in their daily lives? Like, what to become bolder, perhaps like asking for a raise or like you had that situation with your lady friend. What about meeting someone special? And and I also have to ask you, what if you do go up to them and you want to meet them, but you become tongue tied? What happens? It's because you didn't prepare. Uh, and, and uh, you know, in my book, I also talk about how you meet people. 
it's there a there's a technique for making somebody feel like the most important person in the room and it's basically that you focus completely on them in that moment you don't look around you don't look down you you focus on them and you are interested in them without any agenda whatsoever except to be curious about them mm-hmm. and to respond to what they say and the the number one thing that people fail at when they meet somebody else is they'll say hey how are you doing how's your day and they'll say oh you know i i did this and this and then i you know i came out and had a flat tire and they <laughs> immediately come back with their own flat tire story yeah yeah instead these three key words tell me more mm. tell me more about how wait a minute how'd you how'd you I, I need to hear how you solved that the flat sounds like the terrible place to get a flat and suddenly I mean, I've been in places where I've met 20 people in a, in a room in the course of the event. They think I'm fascinating. I've told them nothing about myself. I have just been curious about them. Uh-huh. Great and words. They're like, and they're like introducing me to people. And, and, and the, the key, really, you know, this comes down to this, this other concept of charisma. Because my book is about uh, from underconfident to charismatic. So what is charisma? Charisma is you project that you belong wherever you are. You may not even be comfortable there, but you're projecting that you are. And that draws people like a magnet. And, uh-huh. and, and so uh, if you project that, people pick up on that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm single, so I'm, I'm out meeting people. And, and recently, I was, I was in a, I was at the bar with a friend of mine and we're standing, we're just, you know, he and I were, he was new in town and he was very excited about going out. So I took him out and I, I saw these two women at a table that I thought, geez, I would, I would like to talk to them, but they were off having dinner and stuff. So the average person would say, uh, you know, they don't want me going over and talking to them. They're having a private dinner. They're not interested. They they would they would start to play the hesitation tapes that would stop them from walking over and, and talking to them. So what I do is I walk over and talk to them. And I just say, you know, uh, you know, excuse me, I, you know, uh, I, I don't want to uh, for interrupting your your private meal, but I just want to tell you, you, you two are just dazzling. And I just had to come over and tell you that. And if I can buy you a drink, you know, uh, I'm happy to do it. And then I'll be on my way. Well, t- com- conversation goes on for 10 minutes <laughs> after that. And uh, then I, then I, I, I break away. I, I don't linger indefinitely. I, I walk away. And as they leave I, they, the table and they walk by me, I said to the one, that I thought was more interested in me. I said, uh, she just looked at me and smiled and she said, uh, uh, bye. And I said, would you like to see me again? And she said, yes, I will. And so we exchanged phone numbers and actually I, uh, we didn't exchange phone numbers. I gave her my phone number. So it was totally safe for her. She didn't have to give me her phone number. Uh-huh. And of course, in those situations, you could never hear from them again. And I would be okay with that because I asked her if she would be interested in seeing me again. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, if I, I was, hadn't, I thought it that was- would have gnawed at me because I, 
I only started and I didn't finish. And how you finish is how it matters. Because it could be very touchy for a man walking up to a strange woman these days. It's it's uh, yeah. whatever is yeah. socially correct these days. And, and women don't know. We don't know you from Adam. And so it could be a very embarrassing and touchy situation. And they could have easily said, uh, excuse us, we're eating. And I would have walked away knowing that I respecting that and not being intrusive, that finding out I was being intrusive and walking away and just saying, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, and, and go, but I wouldn't have the regret mm-hmm. of not hey, going over and talking you? to them. Did she call you? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Oh, yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So yeah. these are some of your guiding principles on the path to boldness and what are the other? Yeah. And it's, it and, and so doing something like that emboldens you literally to do it in other places to say to your boss, what's it going to take for me to get a promotion? I really need to understand that. Now you got to be prepared to have that conversation because you got to be able to say, this is what I've done and this is how I plan to get better. And this is the value I can bring to the business. If you don't prepare those things, you're not going to be able to ask for a promotion because the boss is going to say, so why? <laughs> so you can't just go, oh, because I, I bought a house and, uh, you know, and I need more money. It's like, I didn't tell you to buy a house. I didn't tell you to have four kids. All right. It's like, I'm, you're, you're here to make me successful. Yeah. That's why you're here. Not, mm-hmm. not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not supporting you for the, you know, for the rewards of that. Yeah. Um, and so that, that preparation is, is really important. And then you have to be bold enough to say, I, I really, I think I deserve this and I really don't want to look for another job, but if I don't get it, I'm probably going to have to look for another job. That's the bold thing. You have to be able to say, risking the fact that he, he might say, fine, go look for another right, job. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could go that way. It could. Just like those women could have said, get out of our face, boy. You know, like uh-huh. you're not interested in meeting yeah. you. Uh so, uh, but again, every one of those things, now you got a boldness muscle that's a little stronger and a little stronger because it doesn't get weaker from trying and failing. It gets stronger. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, the only person you need permission from to have the life you want is you. Mm. Uh-huh. And if you're not giving yourself permission, you're just waiting for somebody else to do it. And guess what? They're not coming. And that's the guiding principle. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Good one. Well, Because we're in the game of life, yeah. right? And, and But we don't know how long the coach is going to let us play. We, we're all pretending like the game goes on indefinitely. And, and the game could go on for about 15 more minutes. If, uh-huh. you know, we have no idea. So yeah. uh-huh. play full out is the point. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, you mentioned charisma before. And I think... We meet people who have this kind of charisma. Like I think in your book, in your book, you mentioned you met Bill Clinton. I know I met uh, Dudamel over at the uh, Disney concert hall, and he took that one minute that he had and looked me straight in the eye, and we had a conversation where I felt like important, like the only person in the room. What we said, I have no idea, but talk a little bit more about charisma if you could. 
that that thing that that focus on one person that that makes them feel like the only person in the room there's actually a technique for when you're speaking publicly if you can see the audience if the audience is so big you can't see it doesn't work but if you just are constantly speaking and scanning the audience it doesn't work anywhere near as well as stopping and making eye contact with somebody and making your point and then moving and moving and moving. Talk to one person at a time in the room and everybody else that's watching you connect with that person feels the connection themselves. Mm. It's, um, it's an, a really interesting thing. So when you're that focused on somebody else, it's radiating out into the room mm. that, and it's actually, it's, it's magnetizing the room. Uh, it's, it's, drawing them towards you one because you're comfortable but also because you're not trying to prove anything you're not you're not you don't need anything from anybody and what happens is you get it it's just like desperation is is a magnificent repellent to (laughs) (laughs) meeting somebody uh uh you know you can radiate despair desperation really easily and nobody comes near you um, and but I, I agree also with you I, about Bill Clinton. I met him several times, and he makes you the only person in the room. He never once looks over your shoulder at who's next in line. He just doesn't. No, he, he knows the timing. He can stop talking to you on time, but he just felt he just zeroes in on you. Right. Everyone, right, just fell in love with him like instantly. Yeah, anybody, I watched them, I I think you probably saw the, a similar thing. I, I watched them do it with 200 people in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and, yeah. and that was when I really got it. It was like, wow, that was, that mm-hmm. was, he can do it and, and, and stop. And he doesn't break away before he, he finishes, he completes it before he breaks away. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of people go, oh, and they're, they're doing the walk away goodbye. He, yeah, he would say I even did he that would with have my it daughter right. when she was a teenager. I introduced my daughter yeah. and he, he, she was just like fascinated with him because of the way he did that yeah. with her. But, you know, and I it, was going to say another person I saw do it really recently. I went to a Broadway show with Hugh Jackman and he's in character doing the music man and playing this part. But because of the way the show's blocked, a lot of times he's singing straight out to the audience. But he doesn't sing to the floodlights. I could see that he was looking at the people one at a time in the audience because I was close enough that I could track where he was looking. (laughs) And I could really see him doing that while he's in character, while he's doing a song. Everybody goes out of that show madly in love with him. They can't resist him because of that. I think the eye contact thing. Yeah, you're talking about a large great crowd. point. I, I saw it. I saw it twice. Uh, oh. It was breathtaking. <laughs> great you know, point. Uh, a, a good seats both times, but yes, it was it was that powerful uh, mm-hmm. a performance. But yeah, that's he is an incredible stage presence because mm-hmm. when he wants to connect with you, he does. If he gives a glance to the audience, we all suddenly feel the audience uh, mm. uh feel feel the performance as an audience in a very connected way it's just uh-huh. that, that but uh that's that stage presence and that's you can imagine how charismatic he is i mean i oh. i hung out at the stage door for him to come out just to watch him do that thing and he did it with a whole bunch of people 
who were who out waiting just to meet him and signing. Yeah, once you know, my, friend, sign my friend Larry and I had seen him in his one-man show one time. And across the street was Sardi's, and we went up in the bar, and we could watch him. We waited for him to come out, but from the bar, watching him out the window, and just the body language, how he worked every worked with everybody in the crowd that day, we were just blown away. He's It's, yeah. it's, it's really a skill that you really would yeah. have to practice. A lot right? of celebrities, and a lot of actors and, and Broadway uh, talent have that that quality. That's yeah, why that's they yeah, are where they you, are. You have to have it's it's star power. It is really, but they've developed it. They've developed a way to draw the audience into their performance. Now, some of them were gifted; they were just that way, but the rest of us are not. But mm-hmm. to, to believe that you can't learn it is the problem because. You trap yourself into this limiting belief that I I can't be that, and then the other the worst thing that they do is I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. So they become a critic instead, and they hypercritical. It's like look at that Hugh Jackman; he's such a phony up there. Like it's like he's <laughs> he's just you know, and and that and they've got this whole thing that they have to play in their set head. Why? Because they want to be Hugh Jackman. Yeah. But they they don't believe they can be, and they don't believe they could a- approximate that in their own lives. So they instead they take comfort in being an armchair critic yeah. of somebody. Yeah, and it's like I'm not interested in what the critic has to say. <laughs> I want somebody who's 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 out there swinging and digging and fighting. Uh-huh. I, I'll listen to him. I'll listen to her. But right. Yeah. Somebody jeering from the cheap seats. I'm the, I I could care less. Right. If somebody comes up after my lecture and says, like, like you're uh, that was a bunch of gibberish. That was a bunch of nonsense. Nobody could do what you're doing. I'd say, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, yeah. But well, they're making themselves book, feel good by telling me that um, I'm a phony. So. Well, in your book, you talk about creating a dream list of what we want to achieve in our lives and what's on our bucket list. And what is on your bucket list, we want to ask. It's it's amazing how how your <laughs> it it just expands and expands. What I my main mission in life is to uh, challenge and support everyone I come into contact with to chase their dreams more boldly. Mm. I want them to chase their dreams, but I want them to do it more boldly than they're doing now. But I don't want them to sit back and think they've got nothing but time. So I'm going to support them in it, but I'm going to challenge them in it. And so my real my bucket list is to get in front of as many people as possible, uh, to have as many people read my book as possible, to do another book that that is aimed at college kids, at high school kids, at divorced women, uh, at salespeople, just saying this, you, you want to cultivate boldness. This is how you do it. I, I wish I knew this. When I was talking to the high school kids, I said, I'm telling you what I wish I knew at your age or 30. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> the sooner you learn it, the, the, the more amazing your life is going to be. Yeah, it's a continuous learning process, isn't it? I have to ask you this talking a little bit about a little bit back about charisma. You beat Richard Branson at chess. So, how does boldness help you win the game of chess or does the game of chess help you learn to be bold? Well, it's it's a it's a classic boldness story because I was on uh Necker Island 
which is a, an island he owns, and he rents it out to business people. And, and I was with a group of business people. And sometimes he's there and sometimes he's not. He doesn't, you know, it's not part of the deal. When you rent the island, you get Richard. Right? So he, <laughs> he comes over if he thinks he's going to like people because he lives on another island. And uh, and so I ruptured my Achilles tendon playing tennis. Oh, uh, no. Like the first day I was there. Oof. And so I'm sitting there watching people play tennis. I've talked to a surgeon. He says, look, there's no reason to fly home. It's not going to heal itself. I'll fix it in five days when you get home. And so I, I immobilized basically. And Richard has heard about this and he comes over to me and he just says, oh, this is such a bother that this has happened to you. Um, do you happen to play chess? Now, the correct answer is I haven't played chess in 40 years. Yeah. But, but. the bold answer is, oh, yeah, yes. I played chess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the bold answer is the, definitely yes. The, what's the self? The, the self-talk is he's going to beat me in four okay. moves. It's going to be humiliating, and I'm going to have said, a, yeah, I play chess, and he's going to say, this is you playing chess? Are you sure you're not playing checkers? You know, it's like all of this stuff you can play in your head. I, my boldness muscle is so strong. I just said yes. So he calls somebody over with a chessboard, and and we start playing. And because I'm remembering how to play now, I played a bunch when I was younger, but I but I was never a chess master or anything remotely like that. But I'm playing such an unorthodox game because I'm still figuring out what I'm trying to do. He can't figure out what I'm doing. And it, it's like he because like I'm not doing anything predictable or strategic or anything. And then all of a sudden I just said, actually, that that's check, Richard. Um, and then I said, but really, it's checkmate because there was no way <laughs> out of it. And he just looked at it and looked at me and called me a horrible name and and <laughs> immediately set the chessboard up again to play again. And 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 then we talked what we talked while we played. But I also. I know how to talk to celebrities. I treat them like a normal person and I don't interview them. And all he's got is people who want to interview him or get him to donate money or give him business advice. And, you know, they're gimme, gimme, gimme. They're all looking for something from him. And he and I were talking politics. We're talking sports. We're, you know, we're, you know, and and we're talking chess and we're, you know, he's verbally abusing me because I'm moving too slowly. Um, But... The, for the rest of the week, we would be at a table of 30 people. And if he was there, he would say, sit across from me. And other people were saying, why are you, you're, you're, you know, you're, uh, cap- you're, uh, uh, you're, you're limiting our chance to get to Richard. And I said, he's asking me to sit across from him. I'm not going to say no. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, and then and he would try to find me on the island during the day to play chess again. <laughs> And then I saw him, then I saw him like a year later and, and I just saw him in, in, uh, you know, in another place where we all were. And he was just sitting there with his wife. And I said, I just said, hi. And I said, I'm looking forward to playing chess with you again sometime. He says, how about right now? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it, so it's like, but it was all because one, I was willing to boldly say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to embarrass myself playing chess with you. And all, then just treating him like a stop trying to stop having an agenda to my conversation. Oh, so, so many I'm people. Sure he yeah. It was very bold of you to beat him. 
Well, yeah, it rather, was. What like, a they had why to aren't you win. letting me win? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, 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 that would impress me if you did. You know, um, he wanted to beat but, you again. Uh, I never. I, oh, and he enjoyed beating me every time after that. I never beat him again. Yeah, because he's a much better chess player. Than you you didn't need to. <laughs> no, I got I get the bragging rights, right? He can never take that away from me. I beat him yeah. once, even if yeah. he's he can even say I let him win. It's like I, I'm just going to brag that you let me win at chess. I'll take that. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Fred, what would you like our audience to have as a takeaway today? Uh, the 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 concept I'd like you to think about is that. People are always saying carpe diem, seize the day. The reality is you don't have all day most of the time. So carpe momentum, seize the moments. Because the window closes so fast on the most precious experiences, the most precious opportunities, the most crucial actions that you can either make to transform the direction of your life or to have the most gratifying, fulfilling life, or you can stack a regret because that's what, what boldness is. It's the difference very often between success and failure and it's between love and loneliness and between regret and fulfillment. Mm. So carpe momentum. Mm. I love that. That's great. Thank you so much, Fred. Our guest today. My pleasure. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Fred Joyle, author of Super Bold From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, and co-founder of 1-800-Dentist. You can reach Fred at fredjoyle.com. And we want to remind our listeners to watch us on our new YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast, and to follow us on Instagram at Late Boomers and at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and to write to us at our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z. And we always try to bring you some inspiration and knowledge and we hope that it helps you a little on your way. Please tell your friends to subscribe to our podcast. We're on every podcast platform and of course, YouTube. And thanks very much for listening and thanks so much for being here with us, Fred. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.